listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, today we're going to be talking about five important things that you must know about love, about love. And so uh, we're going to dive into that. I'm going to give you these five things. I'm going to teach on them and give you scripture on them. Um, but they are extremely important to understand because think about this. If God is love, then truly we're talking about him. The Bible does say that God is love. First John, God is love. So Uh, When we talk about the subject of love, of course it's important that we understand it, knowing that God is love. And how you interact in love is how you'll interact with God. And that's something important that I want you to write in the comments today. How I interact with love is how I'll interact with God. Think about how important that is. How I interact with love is how I will interact with God. Pop that in the comments. Very important thought. And so, as we go through these five, you're going to see how important it is to recognize these things. Because everything you do in the kingdom, everything you do for the Lord will be based on what we're teaching today. Everything. And you'll see why in a minute. Every single thing. So pop it in the comments. How I interact with love is how I'll interact with God. So, to start off, um, I'm trying to decide really between which one I'm going to give you first of the first two because they could be interchangeable. Uh, Not that these are in any particular order, but I I want you to have the foundation first. Um, I'll give give you this one first. Put, Put this in the comments. Number one, the first important thing that you must know about love is that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. Okay? Put that in the comments. Love is not a feeling, it's a choice. That's that's a very that might be the most foundational thing you can know about love. Exactly, Johnny. That's exactly what I'm teaching first. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice, and it and it takes it, it takes its uh, recognizable form through action. Ex- exactly right, Johnny. That's exactly right. And so the reason I want to hit you with this first is because when you realize that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. Then when you come into situations where you don't feel like loving someone or you don't feel like walking in love, to know that it's not a feeling anyway, it's a choice, that empowers you. And the reason it empowers you is because it lets you know that you don't have to do what your flesh feels like doing. Now, I've taught this on the broadcast multiple times, so you understand that your flesh is always 
at war with your spirit. Always. Always. And so, if your flesh is always at war with your spirit, then the carnal part of you is not going to walk in love. It's not going to feel like walking in love. You know what happens. Somebody does something dumb. Somebody annoys you. Somebody offends you. And you feel like, you know, smacking them. You feel like getting upset. You feel like fighting. You feel like... And that's the flesh part of you, which every one of us has to deal with. Every one of us. Keeping that flesh in check. There's plenty of times where you don't feel like walking in love at all. Not at all. And so you have to... Uh, you have to make that flesh do what the Bible says, and you got to walk in love. Well, you say, well, how do I do that if uh, I don't feel like loving the person? It's like that pastor that talked to me. He told me the story of um, a guy in his church that came uh, into his office and said, uh, Pastor, I need help. I just don't love my wife anymore. I'm not in love with her, and I don't love her. And uh, he said, what should I do? And the pastor said, go home and love her. He said, no, I don't think you heard what I said. I said, I don't love her anymore. I'm not in love with her anymore. What should I do? Pastor said, go home and love her. And what he was talking about was, even though you don't feel it in your flesh, take the actions of love. Just like Johnny was saying, that Hebrew word, which means love, it's more about an action than a feeling. Pastor was saying, go take the actions of love. Go do what a love, what a person in love or a person who loves would do. Go do it. Even though your flesh doesn't feel it, take those actions anyway. Because think about it. How would anyone know you love them anyway? Right? No one can see your feelings and nobody can see your emotions unless you act them out. Oh man, this is good. People, people need to get this. Put it in the comments. No one can see my emotions unless I act them out. That is huge. That is huge. No one can see my emotions unless I act them out. And the reason that's so important is because uh, anything that we do is what people are going to respond to, not how we feel, what we do. That's how they'll, that's what they'll respond to. And that's why, and as, as someone put in the comments moments ago, actions speak louder than words. Absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, so if I, you know, I can say to my, uh, children or my wife, you know, I love you. I love you as many times as I want, but if I'm always grabbing them and punching their head, they might stop believing that after a while. They might start thinking, maybe dad doesn't love me like he keeps saying he does. Yeah, why? Because the things I'm doing are actually more powerful than what I'm saying or even how I'm feeling, right? So the key being, your actions are what people see. Your actions are what people respond to. So the pastor was telling that husband, go home and take actions of love towards your wife. Speak kindly to her. You know, love her. Give her a kiss. Tell her she's beautiful. Make dinner for her. You know, whatever. Open the door for her when you go places. Prefer her above yourself. Take those actions. Why? Because that is truly the spiritual act of walking in love. It is a choice, not a feeling. I mean, put, I mean, throw your hands up in the comments. 
If you've ever dealt with somebody, somebody wrote in the comments, it happened to me last week. Uh, I mean, literally, put a hand up in the comments if you've recently, within the last month, had to walk in love towards somebody, even though you didn't feel like it, but you did it because you knew that's what would please the Lord. You had to. You had to choose to walk in love. You didn't feel it. You didn't feel like it, but you did it anyway. Why? Because you knew it would please the Lord. It's like Jennifer says, the spirit of slap comes on you. <laughs> Watch the spirit of slap. I'm telling you, you did it because you knew it would please the Lord. And it did please the Lord when you did it. Because see, it allows us to uh, take on the personality traits of Christ. And that's what we're doing. So number one, you've got to know and understand that uh, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Now, you know, yes, you can feel in love. You can feel love. But in all reality, anything that you do shows what you believe. It's, it's like when James is teaching in James chapter, uh, what is it? James chapter uh, one. And James is talking about uh, the understanding that faith doesn't mean anything if it's not accompanied by works. Faith doesn't mean anything unless it's accompanied by works. You say, well, what do you mean by that? He said, you know, you say you have faith, but if you did, I'd see it through your actions. Well, that's the, that's the same thing with love. You say you love me, but if you did, I'd see it through your actions. And so when we realize that, see, this is really an empowering thing to know, that love is a choice, because that means you don't have to wait on a feeling. Get that in your spirit. Get that in your spirit. In fact, put it in the comments. I don't have to wait on a feeling. That's empowering. I don't have to wait on a circumstance. Here's a big one. You ready? I don't have to wait until they walk in love toward me to walk in love toward them. Woo! Watch your toes. <laughs> Watch your toes. I don't have to wait on them to walk in love toward me to walk in love toward them. Yeah, because it's a choice. I can do it no matter what they're doing. I can act that way no matter how they're acting. And that's an empowering thing to know that love is a choice and it's not an emotion or a feeling alone. And that's, that's important for mature Christians to know because what we want to know is that we are pleasing God with our life. Even if other people are angry at us, even if other people don't treat us right, I want to know that what I'm doing, my life, is pleasing to God. Right? And so love is a choice. Well, now that you're empowered to know love is a choice, let me give you number two. Number two is this. Uh, love governs your faith. Love governs your faith. What's up, Miss Al? Love governs your faith. So if we were to turn over to, to Galatians chapter 5, you could read uh, Galatians 5, 6, where the Bible says that the important thing is that faith is expressing itself by love or faith works by love. 
faith works by love. That's Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. Love is uh, the parameter within which your faith works. Meaning, if you don't walk in love, it can hinder your faith from being functional. Get that, man, that's dangerous. People wonder why their prayers aren't answered. They wonder why they don't have miracles take place. They wonder why they're not seeing breakthroughs. They wonder why they're not having uh, the things that they want to see come to pass, but they haven't checked their love walk. If you miss out on love, you can miss out on the functionality of your faith, which is extremely important to understand because, uh, now, now, now think about how heavy this is. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Woo! Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So think about this. If you can't please him without faith and your faith doesn't even function without love, then can you please God without love or walking in love? No. The answer to that is no. And so what we find is it's important not to just know it's, it's a choice, but number two, to know it governs my faith. And if it's governing my faith, it's governing whether or not I can please the Lord with my life. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. In fact, you know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples about the supernatural, I always want to cover this because I think we stop reading too soon. We stop reading too, too quickly. Mark chapter 11. I want you to go there with me. And let's look at a few verses. Mark chapter 11. And uh, let's start. Let's start reading with verse 22. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If someone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. For this reason, I tell you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And most people stop there and don't go any further than verse 24. But notice in the same context, before the, 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 the passage switches scenes and starts talking about them traveling on, there's one more thing Jesus says that's important within the context. Look at it. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your sins. Within this context of faith, Jesus mentions forgiveness. That's part of love. Without that love, faith won't function. And so the second thing you need to see today is that your faith is governed by love. The functionality of your faith is governed by love. You can't harbor these things in your heart, unforgiveness, anger, 
you know, grudges, all these things, and expect your faith to work. No, you got to, you have to walk in love, which is a choice, if you're going to see functional faith. Let me give you number three. This one will be surprising to people because we pump, we pump up so much on, uh, you know, the gifts of the spirit, but number three, put it in the notes. Number three, love is more important than the gifts of the spirit. Woo. Love is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. Put that in. Love is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to show you that straight from Paul's teaching. Now we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul deals with the gifts of the Spirit and how they function. And then in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he goes into addressing them regarding the gifts of the Spirit in their public church services. But within these two, between these two chapters, chapter 13 is sandwiched in the middle, speaking about love. Now, when I come to the end, and that's number three, love is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And we know how powerful and important the gifts of the Spirit are. We need them. We have to have them. But look at how Paul uh, teaches about, after a whole chapter of teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, he goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses, uh, verse 31. Listen to this. But you should, but you should be eager for the greater gifts. And now... I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. Uh, other translations said, and now I will show unto you a more excellent way. So he just got done describing the gifts of the Spirit, and he said, uh, desire spiritual gifts or be uh, hunger and thirst after greater gifts, but then now I will show you a more excellent way. This translation, which is the NET, and now I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. And of course, you know, when Paul wrote his letters, he didn't write any chapters or verses. It was one big letter. So he, without stopping, he says, now let me show you a way that's beyond comparison. If I, now this is chapter 13, verse one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that nothing, so that I can remove mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. Get that in your spirit. I am nothing. Paul, let me, let me break it down one more time. What Paul said, if I operate in all these gifts of the Spirit to the most powerful degree, moving mountains, prophesying, supernatural revelation and knowledge, and I don't have love, I am nothing. Let me keep going. Verse 3. If I give away everything I own, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. 
hold on a second. Did Paul really just go to giving, to teaching on giving in this section on love? Look what he's, let me read it again. If I give away everything I own, whoo, get that one more time. If I give away everything I own, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. I receive what? No benefit. Is Paul telling us here? I'm just asking you to look at it. Is Paul telling us here that you can give everything you own, but if you're not walking in love, there's no benefit from your giving? Who, who's ever taught you that before? Who's ever taught you that before? That you can give until you've got nothing left, but if you don't walk in love, there's no benefit coming from it. Paul said that. The Holy Spirit inspired that. Powerful. And then he defines what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It's not envious. It doesn't brag. It's not puffed up. It's not rude or self-serving. It's not easily angered. It's not resentful. It goes on through. But, but I want you to get that. Love is greater than the gifts of the Spirit. Love is greater than the gifts of the Spirit. Because Paul said, I could operate to the most powerful level of all of those gifts, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm absolutely nothing. I'm absolutely nothing. Did you know Paul was the one who taught in this same letter that if I preach to everybody else, but don't control myself, though other people will make heaven, they might get saved through his ministry, they might get healed through his ministry, but if he doesn't discipline his own body, he wrote, he could become disqualified at the end of his life. Think about that. He could become disqualified. He would lose his reward, though, though he was used to minister to others. See that? So walking in love, not just toward others, but walking in love toward God. That's obeying his word. That's how you, that's how you walk in love toward God. You obey his word. And actually... That's what Jesus taught uh, in the Gospel of John. I've read it to you many times. Gospel of John chapter 14. reason I read it so much, I want it to get in you so that you never forget the principle. John 14 and verse 21. Listen to this. The person who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Notice Jesus said, it's not the people that say they love me who love me. It's the ones who obey my commandments that actually love me. So we always talk about walking in love towards people, but what about walking in love toward God? which really brings the increase. That really brings the power. You want to really see God uh, move in your life. Who is he looking for? The eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the whole earth to find people whose hearts are loyal to him. On whose behalf he can show himself strong and mighty, and he will show himself strong and mighty. 
to those whose hearts are turned toward him. So walking in love toward God. Powerful thought. Powerful thought. Um, Let me give you number four. Not only is it more important than spiritual gifts, but number four, and this is, this is encouraging, you can grow in the power of your love. That's number four. It's not either you have it or you don't. It's more like a muscle. You can have small muscles. You can have massive muscles. You can grow in the power of your love. That's number four. And I want you to uh, look at it with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Number four, I can grow in the power of my love. And we're going to see that from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I'll read to you um, three verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 11 through 13. Listen to this. It's powerful. I can grow in the power of my love. This is what Paul writes. Now may God, our Father himself, and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Verse 12, this is where I want you to focus. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we do for you so that your hearts are strengthened in holiness to be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So get this now. Paul was saying to them that God could cause their love to increase and to abound. You know what's interesting here? He said, because he said, for one another and for all. Woo, he just took your loophole away. Because <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I'll be kind. I'll, I'll walk in love towards Christians. But that's not what Paul was saying. Paul said, God will cause your love to increase and to abound for one another. That's, that's the Christians in the church in Thessalonica. For one another and for all. That means for all people. (laughs) That means those that aren't in the church. Those that are uh, cursing you out at work. Those that are, you see what I mean? It doesn't matter uh, who they are because God can cause your love to increase and abound for one another, which it should, obviously. You should love your brothers and sisters in Christ. But also for all people. You know, uh, Jesus spoke about this. You know, what good does it do to just be kind to people that are kind to you? Even sinners can do that. Even sinners can do that. But what can you do for the people that are nasty, that they don't control themselves? They're not even serving the Lord. They're dead in trespasses and in sins. Their eyes are darkened. The things of God are foolishness to them. They're at enmity with God. What do you do? I can still walk in love towards those kinds of people. 
right? Because God can cause my love to increase and to abound, not just for those in the body, but all people, all people. In fact, by the way, that's one of the things that should push you to evangelism. That should push you to sharing the gospel with those that are not in the kingdom is because you've got a love for people and you don't want to see them die. You don't want to see them go to hell. You don't want to see them destroyed eternally. And that compassion would give you an urgency and a, a boldness and a fire to go after those that are not serving the Lord. It's your love for those people, right? And so, yes, obviously we should love people within the household of faith, without question, without question. And by the way, don't let the devil steal from you uh, unity that should be in the body of Christ. Don't let the devil steal your unity through immaturity, through being angry with others and forming cliques and factions and uh, being like those that Paul dealt with in the Corinthian church. I'm of Paul. Well, I'm of Apollo. You know, it's, it's not, there's no competition. We're one. We're one in the body. We're one in the family. We're one in unity. We're all part of one body, one faith, one love, one blood. That's Jesus Christ. And so we don't allow the devil to bring divisions and uh, offense and problems. That's what immature people do. They live that way. Constant drama. But we have a love for those that are in the household of faith. But of course for all people. But understand it. What thing do you see that creeps into churches that destroys the move of God in those churches? The people in the church start to come against one another and start to fight one another and be offended at one another. I remember my father telling a story when he first got into the ministry. Um, and it was, I think it was one of the first meetings that he ever did with once he was married to my mother. And they went to this church and it was the first service of a, like a week of meetings. And uh, it was Sunday morning and they introduced my father he got up, took the platform, took the microphone, and the Lord spoke to him that he was not to minister that morning until the people did what they were supposed to do. And so he stood to preach, and before he could preach or open his Bible, he said, folks, the Lord will not allow me to minister to you. He said, there's something that you need to do to make it right, and then we can start the revival. I'll be back tonight, night service, God bless you. Bonnie, come on, we're leaving. And, and my mom's thinking like, oh my Lord. And they marched right out of the church, my dad and mom, right at the beginning and went to lunch. And uh, later they found out, he knew this, see, by, the, by the, the gifts of the Spirit, that there was a huge feud going on in that church. Two major families in the church had been fighting against each other for years and sitting on either side of the aisle and would not speak to one another. I mean, no member of one family would speak to any other member, member of the other family. And there was just a massive division and there was a feud going on and it was keeping the move of God out of that church. And the pastor told my dad later, he said, after you left, people started getting up crying in the sanctuary 
and walking across the aisle and hugging one another and saying, forgive me, and, and just really making everything right. God did it by his Holy Spirit. But it was a miracle. I mean, the pastor knew it was a miracle because it had gone on for, it probably had gone on for so long that the people didn't even know why they were still mad at each other. I'm sure there were members of both families who had no idea why they were even mad at each other. They just knew, well, our family doesn't talk to that family and we don't have anything to do with them. And the devil used it as a way to destroy the move of the Spirit in that church. And, and by the Spirit, my father called it out and they broke through that and got free. Well, the power of God hit that church that week and revival, I mean revival, moved in that place. People were totally changed. The pastor was so happy. <laughs> Think about how funny this is. The pastor was so happy at the end of the week of revival meetings, he put his resignation in. <laughs> he said, folks, this is the best state this church has been in since I've pastored here. And so I'm putting in my notice, I'm leaving on a high. <laughs> and the pastor left him on a high. But I mean, it was, it was the fact that uh, their love needed to increase and abound for one another. Don't let the devil steal your unity with your brothers and sisters. Don't let him keep you out of the move of the Spirit. Don't let him uh, mess with your faith, mess with your miracles, mess with what God wants to do to bless you because you refuse to walk in love uh, towards those who are in the body of Christ and definitely not towards those that are outside of the body of Christ. Let me give you this, this uh, number five, which I, I love this one. Love will directly affect your impact in the world. I want you to put that in the comments. Number five, love will directly affect my impact. Huge. Love will directly affect my impact in the earth, in your calling, in your purpose. It's love. And I touched on this briefly but I want to show it to you from Scripture. Um, as I said a moment ago, love will push you towards helping the hurting. Love will cause you to be effective in the kingdom of God. That's why we need it so much. Thank you, Ramon. And so I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Actually, I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 13, but I want you to see this. Now, when Jesus heard this, he went away from there privately in a boat to an isolated place. But when the crowd heard about it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, as he got out, he saw the large crowd. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Notice he was trying to get away from the crowds and they found him. They followed him. So though, though he was trying to go to an isolated place, when he saw the crowds, his compassion was moved on them 
And that compassion caused him to heal them. And there's multiple passages throughout the Bible that say similarly, and being moved by compassion, he healed them all. And being moved by compassion, he healed the man. You know, and Jesus was often moved by his love for people. He was often moved by compassion. Love you, Mike, in South Africa. I love South Africa too. Jesus was often moved by his love. Often moved, not just by faith of other people, but by his love for those people. And I want you to see this. If you don't, see, love is an even greater motivator than hate is. Love is a greater motivator than hate. Hate will motivate people to do stuff, but love will motivate people much more. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Hate might might motivate you to go do something because you hate a person you don't like, a group of people, whatever, but there are many times where hate would not cause you to lose your own life to hurt someone. Would not cause you to lose your own life to hurt someone. But love, on the other hand, is a different story. Because love is so great of a motivator that there are people who would take active steps to lose their life for someone that they love to save them or to help them. I'm sure that those of you that are are watching me, if you have children or grandchildren, you know that there's nothing you wouldn't do to save or help your grandchildren or your children. I think of my son that's here with me today or my daughters. You know, if there was, if it was a last minute decision, there was no other way out. And I had to jump in front of something to save my son or, or whatever. I love him so much that I'd be willing to sacrifice my life to save his life. Why? That's how much I love him. That's how much Jesus loved you. That he was willing to sacrifice his own life to save your life. Hate would never do that. But love does that. That's why love will directly affect the impact you can make in this world. That's why the more that we love people, the more that we love the Lord, the more that we give ourselves to his purpose, the more of an impact we will make on this world before Jesus comes. And that's why we have to, without any reservation, we have to grow and abound in love. That's what I taught on that as number four, is if if we don't grow and abound in love, that's that's the scripture, Mike, no greater love hath any man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what the Bible says. And get this in your spirit, man. If you don't grow in love and abound in love, it will, it will, it's connected to what kind of an impact you can even make in the earth. Because what if, what if you, uh, literally lived your whole life with apathy and you said, I could care less what happens to other people as long as it doesn't happen to me. I could care less about the plight of other people as long as me and my family are doing okay. Apathy, total apathy, rather than empathy, 
where we're looking at others and saying, I don't want to see them hurting. I don't want to see them broken. I don't want to see them die. I don't want to see them lost. And that love, that compassion, looks at others and says, I've got to do all I can do to help them. I've got to do all I can do to see them healed, to see them saved, to see them delivered. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly what love will do in your life. It will make you make an impact on this earth. Somebody asked me recently, they're like, do you ever go home? And it's a great question. And my wife, like my wife's preaching right now. She's in Texas. And we've just been gone. We've already been gone for, we haven't even had two months and we've been gone for over four weeks of the, what, six weeks that we've already gone through. And people say to me, do you ever go home? It's an excellent question because it's not like I don't like being home. It's not like I don't enjoy the house the Lord's blessed me with. It's It's not like I don't love being in this studio and talking to you. I love it. I love it. But there's a love I have for this generation of people that are not either, number one, ready to see Jesus, but also, number two, people that are hurting and broken and need a touch from God. People that need the Word of God. People that need deliverance. And that's why I'm so thankful that we see these miracles and we see God moving in these revival services because that's my heart. I want to see people touched. Of course, it'd be easier to just, you know, do a Sunday here or there and spend all my time at home. And yeah, that'd be easier. And I'm sure my flesh would like to be home. But you know what my spirit loves? To see people changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the more love we have for people, the more we will take actions to see them helped, to see them changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're filled with the power of God. If you're watching me and you're a Christian, you're filled with the power of God and have the ability to change this world before it's too late. And so I want to encourage you. At the end of this uh, broadcast, I'm going to pray for you. And those of you that have just logged on and you didn't get a chance to hear the special announcement that I gave at the beginning, I'll give it again at the end in just a moment. But before I do any of that, I love you, Pastor Joe. I'm going to pray for you because on this Valentine's Day, and again, thank you for spending time on Valentine's Day with me. But on this Valentine's Day, I'm going to ask God that he would do what Paul prayed for the church in Thessalonica that we would increase and abound in love. We need to increase and abound in love so that we can make an impact in this world and please the Lord with our lives. And I know I've seen people's comments as I've been teaching. They said, man, I needed this today. I need to hear this. This is affecting me. I'm dealing with stuff. I'm dealing with people. I know people are. I get it. I understand it. But I'm also believing that God is going to touch you today in a way that you've never been touched, and that your compassion for people, your love for people, is going to increase like it never has. And as you step out, it's going to cause you to make an impact like you never have in this year of divine possession. Father, touch every person watching and listening. Those that are uh, not only serving you, but have a desire to change this generation before it's too late. Lord, as Paul prayed for the Christians in Thessalonica, I pray the same for the Victory Tribe today. I pray that you would cause them to increase and abound in love like they never have in Jesus' mighty name. From this day forward, I pray that their compassion would go to another level, which would cause their urgency and their boldness to go to another level. And from this day forward, Lord, let us walk in the fruit of the Spirit like we never have. Love, 
filled with joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, let us walk in the power of these and please you with our lives. In Jesus' name. Lord, if there are people today that are feeling burdened, if they're feeling lonely, if they're hurt, if they feel uh, that depression or that loss, maybe they've lost a loved one, I pray that you'd be with them today. Strengthen them. Fill them with joy. Fill them with peace. Fulfill their heart. In Jesus' mighty name, let your anointing heal every hurt today. We thank you for it. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. If you believe it and receive it, throw some, throw some hands up, throw some hearts up, throw some fire up in the comments section. And I'm going to challenge you today to sow a seed by faith. We are, we are now, what, in the month of February can't believe we're almost, we're halfway through February today. And I want to challenge you to sow by faith. Maybe you've never partnered with me and Carolyn, but if you've seen all that we're doing, you can see it on social media. People are being touched. All of our partners are a part of what this ministry is doing. People don't realize that. Every partner is a part of what God is doing through this ministry. And so those of you that are, maybe you've been thinking about it or praying about it, be an answer to prayer today. We've been praying and asking the Lord to connect us with people who understand how short of time we have left before Jesus comes that would stand faithfully with us, to pray for us and to sow seeds every single month to do what God's asked us to do. And I thank God for the Victory Tribe. I, I truly do. And uh, for this month of February, a very important book. 31 Reasons People Do Not Receive Their Financial Harvest. Dr. Mike Murdoch uh, wrote this book. It's eye-opening. People are wondering, how come I've not yet uh, seen my harvest come? What he, This book will open your eyes. There might be things that need to be changed. This is our gift to everybody that's sowing this month in partnership of $85 or more. And uh, we want to send it to you. If you'd like to receive it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and um, you can you can put in your your um, address and everything we'll know exactly where to send it we found out that there are some issues uh, obtaining dr. Summerall's books right now so we'll figure something out for those that are partnering at two hundred and fifty dollars or more but then also if you're sewing at a thousand dollars or more this book that I was using today this is uh, the NET Bible with sixty thousand translator's notes. It's the full notes edition in a leather-like Bible. Um, we're going to be including this with the Financial Harvest book and then, of course, one other. For those that are sewing at $1,000 or more, this is our gift to you. This, I told my uncle Tiff, I said, this, this Bible that they released is probably the greatest gift given to English-speaking Christians in the last 100 years. I truly... I look through these notes and these translators' notes and manuscript notes and stuff. It's so good and deep. I'm going to be talking about this, by the way, which brings me to that announcement. If you missed the announcement at the beginning, let me give it to you here again at the end. Starting next month, we're going to be launching a new course in Miracle Word University, but it's different. It's not just a static course like we uh, did with all the other ones. It's more of an ongoing course because we're going to be teaching on how to properly 
study the Bible and to drastically improve your ability to study the Bible. I've had three texts in just the last week. People ask all the time, how can I get better at understanding the Bible, to study the Bible? What should I do? We're going to take you through it. I'm going to guide you through it. And not only going to give you all of the principles necessary to properly study scripture, but then I'm going to personally take you through different types of Bible studies together. Topical Bible studies, uh, doctrinal Bible studies, character studies in the Bible, word studies from the Bible. Um, all these different, all these different things, it will help a book study, you know, going through one book. We're going to do it together and it's going to be in Miracle Word University, but we're also going to be interactive with it. And just like we did during the time of fasting and prayer, we're going to have a private Facebook uh, group where we can all interact together and you'll be able to talk to each other about what you're doing and, uh, and what we're, we're studying together. And it's going to be an ongoing course and uh, you're going to benefit a ton. Now, here's the deal. Once we're, our plans are on March the 28th to open registration for this uh, group Bible study course. And uh, it's only going to be open for like a week or two before we close it. And it won't reopen again until probably late fall going into the winter. And so if you want to be a part of this, you're going to have to sign up when we open the course uh, on March the 28th. And you'll get more info on this as we go forward. You'll see it on uh, social media. I'll be announcing it on the broadcast. But you'll be able to drastically improve your Bible study. I'm going to answer all your questions. We're going to deal with difficult passages in the Bible. We're going to talk about how to understand these things and then how to apply them to your life, how to understand it. And uh, it's going to be extremely, extremely helpful. So I really want you to be a part of it. I'm going to be giving you all kinds of resources that will be helpful in, in studying the Bible as well. You don't want to miss it. So March the 28th is when we plan to open registration uh, and it's going to be awesome. Guys, I hope you have something awesome planned for... Um, Valentine's Day, you, your spouse, your, your fiance, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you've got, your dog, your cat, whatever you're doing, I hope you have fun. I hope you enjoy yourselves. Um, I love you. And just to give you a heads up, today's the only day this week that we're doing this time period of, of 1230. Tomorrow, we're back to our normal time, 1030 a.m. in the morning for the rest of the week. I love you guys so very much. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day, and I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.